from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Connected Construction Show. I am your host, Matt Sprague. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Um, Today, super excited that we have uh, a guest, two guests, and potentially a co-host. I'm having some uh, wonderful internet issues today, so if I disappear, uh, David Burtzik here will not only, he will transform from a guest to a co-host. So if I go away, you're in his hands, Um, but if the internet gods are favorable, everything will work out well. But today, uh, we have uh, guest David, as well as guest Brian Ringley from Boston Dynamics. So we have Brian Ringley, who's a product manager for construction and mapping at Boston Dynamics, and David Bursick from Trimble, for, uh, who is a construction robotics lead. So yes, we are talking about the world and the future of robotics, and uh, this one I have been waiting for for a while. So David, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So um, before we dive into robotics, um, let's let you guys kind of introduce yourselves a little bit. So, uh, David, we'll we'll start with you just in case you become the co-host real quick. Uh, We'll get the introduction there and then uh, hand it over to Brian. Tell tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you got to be in the position you are today. Yeah, sure. So... Uh, I'm the construction robotics lead for Trimble, so I'm heading up the uh, integration of the Trimble solutions with the Spot robotic platform. Uh, so I've been in this role now for almost two years, uh, but have been with Trimble for 10 years now. Uh, prior to coming to Trimble, though, my background is in both uh, architecture and construction. So I started out my professional career as a uh, project architect doing large-scale commercial construction. Uh, so anything from hospitals, high-rise buildings, uh, mixed-use uh, mixed applications, things like that. Um, I was the project architect for that. So I would take a project from concept all the way through construction administration. Uh, and during that time when uh, the use of 3D technology was starting to come into play, that's what got me interested into going into construction because the general contractors were the ones making the investment in the 3D technology and how that would be applied to construction. So I shifted gears, left architecture, went into construction uh, and started doing that process where I was overseeing the pre-construction phase with the design teams, getting things ready for construction, and then when we would mobilize on site, I would shift my focus from working with the architects and engineers to overseeing the mechanical, electrical, plumbing contractors. And so I really became this kind of bridge of communication between design and construction. And I did that for seven years. And, and during that time, the, the general contractor that I worked for uh, was also uh, doing partnerships with companies like Trimble, uh, starting to develop construction technology. So you know, half of my time was spent doing the actual building and half my time was spent doing construction technology development and just decided I wanted to do that full time and, and that's what brought me over to Trimble. Uh, so I've been with Trimble for 10 years now, started out uh, in the field hardware uh, uh, solutions within the building division, so I've been there the whole time. Uh, started out you know, overseeing our total stations and 3D laser scanners, the mixed reality applications, and then as our group uh, grew within the buildings division, then I started to focus on just the 3D laser scanners. And then um, within the past two years, I shifted gears to focus on just heading up the uh, robotics side of things. So it's been a fun journey, but uh, you know, when I started out architecture school, I never thought I would actually be in the, the technology side of things. I always 
thought I'd be uh, just you know one of those architects out designing houses. So that's kind of where I started things, and this is where I've ended up. So it sounds like you, you throughout your career path, you've you've never gotten bored with anything. You keep moving on to the kind of really more interesting, cutting edge things as, as you progress. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's been really interesting because you know my career has kind of evolved in a very similar fashion to how the industry has evolved, you know, to where it started out with, you know, your traditional 2D drawings, and then the use of computers were coming into architecture firms, and then that transitioned into the construction side of things, and then that's moved into the just the technology development. So it's I've kind of been on that wave as technology is being developed and, and have been able to enjoy the ride. Awesome. Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. I actually have a bit of a similar background to David, also ex-architecture. Um, but yeah, I was educated as an architect. Um, I wanted to be, I think, a, a pretty traditional designer, although I always had an interest in technology. Um, but then the recession hit when I graduated in 2009, which in some ways was lucky. It pushed me into technology, specifically um, fabrication and design computation, so that when I did go back into architecture several years later, um, after a stint of teaching, uh, I joined Woods Bagot as a design technology um, team member. Uh, so I spent a lot of time rationalizing uh, complex curtain wall geometry for fabrication and documentation. So using design computation tools to do that rationalization and then writing code to automate that documentation into BIM. After that, um, a little bit, admittedly a little bit frustrated by... I think the lack of scope and responsibility, or we'll say the siloing of scope uh, between architecture and construction, I wanted to get more into the construction side of things. This is when WeWork was very hot, so I ended up working with them on their construction automation team. So they had acquired several general contractors around the world to do the construction of the WeWork spaces. So uh, I had two main things I worked on. One was industrialized off-site construction, which was really a continuation of my fabrication um, interest. Uh, but the other one, which led me to where I am today, was the idea of automating on-site documentation. So when we would talk to our job site superintendents, we would ask them, what should we be working on? What's kind of consuming most of your time and not a good use of your skill set? And pretty much unanimously, they were talking about job site documentation, specifically photo documentation and laser scanning. So we started looking at putting those types of sensors onto mobile robotics, uh, started with kind of simple and accessible ones like drones, wheeled and tracked vehicles, but none of those worked. I saw a YouTube video of a robot dog and was pretty compelled. Um, and we were actually able to travel to Boston Dynamics headquarters um, become one of the very first customers to test this stuff in late 2018, early 2019. And then once I saw what this robot was able to do on site, specifically get anywhere with legs, do it autonomously, and also come with an SDK that would allow me to send that data somewhere useful, um, I was pretty convinced that that was the future of construction. And that's actually what led me to become a product manager at Boston Dynamics. Yeah, that... Uh partnership started in October of 2020. Uh, so we announced a uh, joint uh, strategic alliance is what we really refer to it as uh, to where uh, both companies would come together to co-develop an end-to-end -end solution for using uh, robotics in the construction space. Um, so we're focused exclusively around uh, both building construction, civil construction workflows. Uh, but we're really starting to combine 
you know, the expertise that Boston Dynamics brings around a legged robotic application and the expertise that Trimble provides with positioning technology. And then we're working together to co-develop how those two separate uh, entities come into one integrated solution to do construction data collection on the job site. Um, so that was announced back in October of 2020, and we've been working together uh, ever since to bring this out to the marketplace uh, and do an integration with the Trimble Solutions. So the, the first application that we've done an integration with is with our 3D laser scanning uh, to go out and do uh, reality capture on a job site on a consistent basis. I mean, during my time as a, as a researcher in the construction industry, I got the opportunity to work with lots of different types of robots in construction. Some of those robots captured data and some of those robots actually, you know, manipulated the world around them to do construction tasks. But it became clear to me in terms of what was going to be the initial viable business in construction robotics, at least in this era. There's a whole interesting history stretching back to the 80s of like Japanese general contractors deploying robots on their sites is that um, whoever actually takes ownership of the robot and the things that the robot are doing, that needs to be clear because there's a division of responsibilities, obviously, between the general contractor and the trades. So, uh, you know, if you're a robotics company kind of stepping into the construction space, that can be a bit ambiguous, and then there could even potentially be conflicting incentives there. Um, So that was kind of from the business side, from the kind of... pure technology side, I mean, a lot of things have developed, you know, over the last decade that have made robotics more accessible. But I think one of the consistent challenges for doing anything on a job site is mobility. Can the robot actually get everywhere you need it to? And I think this is a really tough problem. So I think that first and foremost, what I was looking at is, you know, is there a robot on the market that can actually locomote or move Um, consistently and reliably through human purpose spaces, which led me to legs, you know, something I initially thought was pretty exotic, but now I think is really the only way to do it. And then what is something firmly in the scope of general contractors so that there's a clear value add um, to a kind of known stakeholder in the delivery process. So that's really, that's really what got me interested in the notion of job site capture and photo documentation in laser scanning and generally just in coordination because one is it doesn't require the kind of precision and nuance of actually touching or manipulating the world. Um, But two is once you get that figured out, what you're essentially doing is providing a reality capture feedback loop to all of your stakeholders in the design and delivery process, which really just means more accurate coordination and models all around And that really builds the foundation for a future world where that information can actually be used to do more complex construction robotics, to start to get into actual tasks that require, say, millimeter level precision. And if you use BIM today, it's largely a design intent abstraction, and you're going to struggle with those real world challenges. So I really think what we're doing is building up this foundation for Um, you know, what is essentially a component of digital twin methodologies to start to get all of our models more accurate to actual job site conditions. And in addition to the obvious project management benefits of that, it's actually going to set the foundation for the further use of robotics and automation in the field. David, anything to add to that? Well, that's, you know, that's really what what brought it, you know, to the the combination of the two companies coming together. Uh, Because from Trimble's side, you know, we felt it was the right time to start bringing these types of applications into uh, the construction space specifically. 
um, to where, you know, Triple has a very long history around autonomy and, and autonomous applications for, you know, off-road solutions and things of that nature. Uh, and then, you know, for getting it down to kind of more of this human scale size uh, for construction, uh, we just felt it was the right time. And so it was kind of, you know, a good time to get together with, you know, Boston Dynamics, who is by far the, probably the most advanced company out there for doing this type of application and to see how we could bring our two solutions together. Uh, and so, yeah, we were looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, construction data uh, collection. So, you know, Brian was talking about the reality capture aspect, uh, but also what we do, you know, with our applications that we have, you know, our robotic total stations that are doing layout on the job site, and then also using uh, GNSS for uh, using it for both layout and, you know, reality capture as well when you're, you have that kind of clear line of sight on like your remote types of job sites and things of that nature. Um, so it was really a, a good timing from the standpoint of, where the industry was evolving to, to be able to then start to say, okay, how do we bring, you know, the applications that we have together into this one uh, solution to, to address that need? Okay, so let's let's take a, um, a focus on the, the here and now. So what is, um, so what is Trimble and Boston Dynamics doing now? Um, and actually, uh, I'm going to add to that, so we'll do the here and now, and then Let's look into the future. So, what what else do you see in the marketplace that's like interesting advancements, different places that we're, that you're looking to to take this type of te- technology? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, a lot of what you're seeing is just the need to automate uh, and be able to you know get more consistent data capture over time, especially when you look at things with uh, the reality capture side on the scanning, uh, and even for you know capturing with imagery as well. Uh, just how do you automate that process? Um, that's kind of the the, the initial interest from customers right now to be able to take a look at that. But then, you know, you're starting to see robotic applications come up for all sorts of different kind of niche um, applications. You have robots that are out there doing uh, drywall and painting, um, other robots that are kind of printing things on the floor for, you know, wall layout and things of that nature. Um, so you're just starting to see all these different types of robots that start to get applied to where you start to automate the process in general. Uh, and so I think there's a, you know, just a overall hunger within the industry to find ways to be more efficient with what you have to do on a day-to-day basis. You know, and I think, you know, even like with the, um, the pandemic that, you know, occurred, it really probably supercharged people's thoughts around how do you speed things up um, over where, you know, where it was before the pandemic hit. Uh, just because, you know, the thoughts were there that, yeah, we want to start to do these types of applications, but then when uh, you're limited in terms of your access to job sites or being able to get staffed to different locations and things of that nature. It, you know, accelerated people's thinking around, you know, how do you use robotics in general for different types of applications? So you see a lot of today, you know, different, um, you know, startups that are focusing on each of those types of uh, niche markets for, for where robotics could be used. So I had a couple of questions, kind of tangential questions uh, as, as you were uh, providing that answer. So uh, one that came to mind, and it was just off the last comment you made in terms of the different markets, are we seeing robotics being adopted on the job sites? Is there is there a particular geography? Is it U.S.? Is it Europe? You know, where where, where do we see it, it tend to be adopted earlier? For, for us with, you know, with the, the Trimble customer base that we've been working with, uh, the hot areas have really been um, more in Europe uh, with uh, specifically, uh, not not so much Central Europe, but like in the UK and Ireland, um, and Asia Pacific, Japan is another area where uh, they've typically been forward thinking around the use of robotics. Uh, and so those areas have been really quite, you know, 
open to embracing these types of new technologies, which has been uh, quite interesting for me. Uh, North America, even, you know, uh, the contractors are looking at it from the standpoint of how does it improve their process, and so they're educating themselves as well. And so you see kind of a, you know, fairly consistent uh, interest, you know, worldwide, really, for where, where these applications could be. I think in general, there's just a general hunger um, and interest in seeing how uh, they can use the different types of applications and be able to start at least testing them and try it, you know, trying them out uh, before they actually operationalize it and make it just, you know, a day-to-day tool that you use on the job site. Yeah, and I think I also think there are some other trends that are supporting this. One is there's increased pressure, especially by large owners, for general contractors to do better record keeping um, and to go out and get data more frequently. And then you also have all of this emerging AI technology. So whether it's you know computer vision processing or other types of advanced algorithms, those things benefit from lots of data frequently collected data and well-structured data. So there's there's hunger not only for, you know, hey, I'm having trouble utilizing existing labor to get this much data, but I also need some kind of system that's going to allow me to get the level of repeatability I need so that the structure of that data actually works better um, for some of these emerging um, analytical applications, which also points to the fact that the robotics are, the, are a means to an end, right? People aren't just buying robotics for fun. They're buying them because they see that as a pathway to get the data they need to get to the advanced analytics that actually turn the ROI. And so uh, uh, my question in terms of the, the geography was a little bit leading. I was, I was expecting the answer to be not North America um, and then, or more specifically, not the United States. So, our, but or however, are we seeing as a result of uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, IIJA, whatever you want to call it, um, where there's an, an expected increase in infrastructure projects, therefore an expected in, uh, increase of overall projects, that accompanied with the labor shortage, are we seeing more people you know, testing out these type of things with that being the impetus for robotics. Yeah, I'd say, you know, you're seeing it more from the, the labor shortage side of things. Um, and that's, you know, it's, that's a, a global concern in general in terms of just how do you address that that particular need um, on a construction site? Um, you know, the, the work that we've had with, the, you know, with customers, you know, that's specifically what they're trying to do. They're trying to be more efficient with the staffs that they have in place. And then, you know, finding, uh, you know, people to, to do the jobs on site um, that are willing to come into construction as well, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find, you know, the right resources. So you want to be able to do more with who you have already on site. And so the interest around robotics really starts to become, you know, I start to hand off kind of those routine tasks, the mundane tasks, human unsafe tasks, I hand those off to the robots and let them handle that so that the staff that you have on site can start to, you know, focus on the higher value um, tasks that they have to do. And so that's kind of a, a consistent theme uh, that you see, you know, kind of in general as, as you talk to different customers and, and just being able to, you know, consolidate what you have currently and make the most out of what you have currently. So as a, a common theme to this show, we're always trying to, like, pull out the, the interesting case studies or stories of, of different projects and how, it, how technology, like, uh, or how technology in general is being utilized. So, um, 
you know, in, in, in our previous conversations leading up to the recording of the show, you brought up two really uh, great examples of the utilization of robotics on some specific projects. And I think, I think one was in Ireland and the other was in the, the Shetland Islands. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I want to say, like, you know, maybe we start with the Shetland Islands or, or Ireland, or if there are others, uh, we'd love to spend the remaining time that we have starting to highlight how it's actually being utilized. Yeah, yeah. Th- these are uh, two customers that we've had um, that were, you know, initial early adopters that that came to us wanting to be able to operationalize the use of robotics on their job sites. Um, so we had one customer; it's Bam Natal uh, out of the UK. They uh, were working on a on a project that was in the Shetland Islands, so a very remote site, uh, and they were working on a project that was being uh, funded by the, the UK government to provide a private 5G network. And in that particular application, they were looking at ways of how could they use 5G technology to improve the overall construction process. And so they're looking at robotics from the standpoint of doing uh, site monitoring and site data capture, uh, but do it remotely and be able to do it using utilizing this 5G technology that they had. Um, and so it was really just a, a way to come into it and look at, you know, how can we do that and, and be able to take advantage of it? And the reason for that, you know, it goes back to the, the staffing shortages is that, you know, the site is in a very remote location. Um, it takes, you know, a good full day, maybe day and a half to get to the actual job site. Uh, and that's conditioned upon what the weather conditions are going to be. So you might be delayed even further because of, of weather not allowing you to, to fly to the islands or, you know, what have you. And so they wanted to see, is there a way that we could, you know, take advantage of robotics to be able to perform these kind of routine site monitors that they, that they have to do uh, without actually have physically having a person on site. And so that's uh, that's what we were doing with that particular customer. And uh, they just wrapped up their trial and, you know, they're now starting to take the, the lessons that they've learned from that application and roll it out across, uh, across their company uh, into different projects. And so it's starting to kind of open up the minds within their company about how can we use this in other applications as well, um, so that's been that's been really interesting on the the remote operation side of things. Yeah, and I think it also points to um, another need that we have generally as an industry as we try to bring more robots into the field is the idea of a connected job site. Um, we are, I think, not quite where a lot of people think we are with respect to that. Um, a lot of job sites are still starved from a lot of communication systems or low bandwidth or ad hoc networks that don't really support advanced robotics. Um, working with BAM in the Shetlands was was a really incredible opportunity because of the advanced um, private 5G installation they had that we were able to leverage for this. Um, and that really kind of points to the future of what's possible if you combine advances in job site telecommunications with robotics. It's definitely an enabling factor. Yeah, that, in that particular application, you know, when uh, they had the whole system set up, they had their head surveyor that was based in their offices in London, uh, operating the robot on site in the Shetland Islands. Um, you know, so being able to manually operate the robot if you needed to just go out and just, you know, do an ad hoc kind of inspection. You know, so if something came up during one of their coordination meetings and they wanted to just go take a look at things, um, he could manually operate the robot to go to that, you know, specific location and uh, either using the cameras on the on the robot itself or uh, initiating a scan could be done as well, uh, or they could just have you know uh, missions kicked off as well to allow it to go out and just run uh, a continuous mission and being able to capture the data. But the idea behind it was that you know this head surveyor was operating and using the robot as, di- as if he were standing next to it on the job site, but he was actually in his office in London uh, doing that work. 
Yeah, I saw I saw something just recently on Instagram or LinkedIn. I can't remember what it was, but it was it, it wasn't robotics per se, but it was it was it was remote um, uh, remote controlling. I think it was a dozer, like in the UK from like Arizona or something along those lines. And there, there was there was someone sitting in in, in a in basically a, a, a virtual dozer seat. Uh, and he was actually doing work uh, remotely somewhere else. So, um, but I think that comes kind of back to what Brian was saying: is that that is only capable uh, based on the communications system that that, that 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 is available within there. So, the more remote, uh, the more connected construction is dependent upon, in that case, the the five G network that was set up. Yeah, and that's that's what made it unique for that particular project because they did have that that private network that had been created, uh, but that was the intent too. Is that it was it was to test the technologies to see what is possible, um, so that then that kind of starts to become a catalyst for generating momentum around. This is why you want to use those types of you know connectivity technology uh, on your site. Yeah, because if you you know if you look at some of the other customers we have, and this is very common if you're you know indoors. And in an interior commercial construction site, you just don't have that capability. So what we've done with the system is we've allowed it to be flexible. So if you do have network connection, you can be, you know, teleoperating or remote operating, you know, using your human intelligence to basically pilot this thing um, from a remote distance or location. You could also be doing supervised autonomy. So, you know, leveraging the autonomous mission functionality but you know, keeping an eye on the robot and seeing where it is in the facility. But if you just don't have that, then we also support um, you know, full autonomy in the sense that you're not supervising the robot. You don't have connection to it, but you can trust that the robot's capable of navigating your environment and getting the data you need. So you know, I think a common operational paradigm we're seeing is I want to schedule this thing to go around when there aren't a lot of people on site, so maybe it's overnight because that's when I'm going to get the best quality data because there aren't people in the way. Um, and it's going to go around on its own. It's going to come back, and that data is going to be there for me and my team in the morning when we need it. So that uh, docking location where the robot starts and ends, if you can at least guarantee some kind of network access to that, well, that's what you really care about. What you care about is that that data gets to your office location or to your team so that they can do something with that data. So we're able to be realistic about the challenges of job site communications and provide a, a spectrum of configurations that work for different customers on different sites. Excellent. So um, we got one more question before my final question. Um, so this is kind of like really about like what what's next for robotics in the industry. So I think, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here in terms of the, the uh, Trimble in Boston Dynamics is uh, the utilization of Spot, which am I correct in saying we try we try not to call it the dog? We just call it, it uh, Spot the robot. I always say you can call it whatever you want as long as okay. it's doing something useful. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It, it if you want to call it a robot like, dog? It's not going to offend me. Yeah, and it's not going to offend it, so we're good. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. So, um, but I mean, I, what, what's or 
and, and I don't know how much you're allowed to share, right? But I'll ask anyway, and you can tell me buzz off. But, uh, you know, what, what's next? I know that, like, Boston Dynamics has, what, my words, the, the humanoid uh, version uh, of, of your robots. Um, are those type of things coming to construction sites uh, near you? Yeah, I guess we could we could start with that, and then David, maybe you can talk about the original um, yeah, kind sure. of press release around the alliance and the other applications we're planning. But yeah, I mean, at, at Boston Dynamics, you know, our CEO has stated that you know he envisions a future where we're building more purpose-built robotics. Our, our specialization is really in dynamic robots, robots that are able to move through human-purposed worlds. Um, but we've also moved with our latest commercial robot, Stretch, which is a logistics robot for um, unloading trucks. We've moved into the world of mobile manipulation as well. And, you know, partially also through the research we've done with the Spot Arm, which is an arm manipulator that can be configured on the back of the Spot robot. Um, so, yeah, we see, a, we see a, a bright future in mobile manipulation. I think that's going to be across industries. There's certainly... Um, a lot of interest and curiosity and where that can add value to a construction site. Uh, whether or not that's a, you know, an actual humanoid walking through or something, I think, a little bit more purpose-built to the challenges of the application, it's probably the latter, but remains to be seen. And, and yeah, we're definitely optimistic about that future and, and thinking about that really hard. Yeah, and then on the, you know, the overall kind of commercial application that we're doing, um, you know, we started out with reality capture uh, because that was the immediate need in the marketplace was to be able to have, you know, consistent, reliable data that can be captured autonomously uh, on a job site. And so we did that uh, integration using the, the Trimble X7 laser scanner. But we're also going to be doing integrations with our robotic total stations and then also with the GNSS uh, antennas. And, you know, that's all going through the FieldLink platform uh, that we have for building side. And what's nice there is that, you know, it's not just one application that we're going to the, to the market with. We have one. Uh, application from Trimble that's supporting multiple hardware uh, payloads that can be used within uh, the spot platform. And that's all, you know, focused around kind of the, you know, the, that construction uh, data collection. Um, what's exciting about the layout side of things is then that starts to open up, you know, the marketplace to mechanical and electrical contractors. Um, they're very interested in using robotics in their in their processes, which, which has been um, kind of eye-opening for me. Uh, when I first came to Trimble, that's when we were rolling out robotic total stations as part of the building set-out process. And at that time, you know, there was some resistance uh, from those, you know, specific users, you know, the, the, the mechanical contractors, the electrical contractors who were a little resistant to use this type of technology as part of their building process. And now, you know, coming out with robotics, those same people that, you know, when I was doing total stations that had the resistance now they've embraced technology and they're seeing how it benefits them uh, in the long run. And so around robotics, you know, the, the user groups and things like that and the industry associations are already starting to educate their members about how these types of technologies and specifically robotics will, will help them uh, perform their jobs better. And so as we start to do the layout integration, that, you know, opens up the use of, you know, spot uh, to a whole new market space. Uh, the interest there is really to uh, have more automated uh, layout processes using robots. And then on the GNSS side, you know, we're focused on that to, you know, continue not only the layout side of things where uh, you can utilize, you know, the GNSS with a, a clear line of sight to the sky um, to give Spot its, its path and its mission that's going to perform, uh, but also use it for doing just inspection routines as well. Um, so 
a lot of customers we've had uh, early on that have uh, remote sites, especially if they're building like solar field arrays and things of that nature, uh, want to use those types of technology for doing inspections of those sites to just see, you know, like if solar panels are being built, you know, where's the installation process? They actually have to do a lot of documentation on those types of projects where they have people going out and walking up and down the rows of, of panels documenting where each panel has been installed. And so they want to be able to, you know, streamline that process by using a robot to do that instead. Um, so those are, you know, the other integrations that we're starting to focus on as well. Uh, but the first one that we came out to market was with scanning because that was the, the immediate need. Awesome. This has been a great conversation. I love uh, how forward looking everything is. Um, and you know what? It's, uh, I guess that's incorrect. It's like it was forward looking and now it's actually like <laughs> now looking. Um, so I, I love that the uh, the future the future is now. Uh, final question, uh, and we uh, we're running. This is a, l- a little bit later in time, so everybody listening and watching, thank you so much. But we always end with this question, um, and hopefully it's not surprising uh, either of you. Uh, do you have a motto? What is the motto? If you don't have a motto, that's okay. What is a, a saying or a motto that, that, that you've heard in the past that has an interesting lesson to be learned? Uh, I'll throw it out to either one who wants to start. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start, uh, even though I'm wildly unprepared for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something, something I've, that's always struck me, like when I actually started as a researcher and transitioned out of the you know, design and architecture world, my boss had me read uh, Skunk Works the book about the you know famous Lockheed Martin research group and I think one of the things that struck me there was the idea of having the engineers and designers actually sit somewhere where they can see the product um, so in this case you know you're talking about spy planes and fighter planes and things like that um, but I think that really kind of became my mindset which is you know not necessarily like to sit where I'm looking at the robot but the product is actually how it's used in the field. To, so to be spending a lot of time in the field with customers and to make sure I'm always hands-on with the products, with the workflows, and on these job sites, I think has been kind of the most important and, and guiding um, facet of, of what I've done over the past several years. I love it. David? Yeah. For me, it's um, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Um, that's always a, a quote that I kind of like, so it, I think it pertains really well on the technology side of things. Perfect. Well, awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a it was a pleasure having. Uh, it's always it seems like uh, a blink of an eye that the thirty minutes go by very quickly. But thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks thank for you. having us. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching, listening, and as always, until next time. Stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.